Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of Comics and Cinema. Today is Marvel Unlimited Monday for the week of August 19th. And uh, there are some great comics out today, so um, let's dive right in. I'm your host, Alex Klein, and the first uh, comic we're going to be talking about is Age of X-Men Next Gen. And so, like we had spoke on last week, right now the X-Men have two different lines of books going on. We've got the the one side, which is the Uncanny X-Men series, um, and that's dealing with uh, Cyclops and Wolverine and a very few other uh, mutants who are left in the world. And then the other side is the Age of X-Men, where the X- X-Men basically brought all the other mutants to this alternate reality where everybody is a mutant, everything is perfect and fine, and um, there's like a lot of dark stuff underneath it. Or underneath this this new world, and clearly you can tell that the way all of these stories are heading are um, that something's not right, and this whole thing is probably going to collapse. And at the end of the day, you know it makes sense because Jonathan Hickman's doing the new X Men stuff. This is essentially just a, a what if type scenario, not necessarily what if, but just the alternate universe type scenario. And interestingly enough. Um, I, I didn't buy any of these, and, and I thought this was a cash grab at the time, and it sort of seems like it still, but both stories so far, The Marvelous X-Men and now Next Gen, have been actually interesting, so I'm really looking forward to seeing where this story goes as well. So um, there are, I think there are five or six miniseries, and it, it'll show it at the very end of this, but um, each one of them I think are five issues, and they're just doing one after the other each week until this whole story ends, which is right around the same time I think Uncanny X-Men ends, which is right before um, The House and Powers of X. So this was written by Ed Brisson with art by Marcus Toe and uh, color art by Jason Keith and lettered by uh, the one and only VCs Clayton Cowles. And so this story is about uh, students at the quote-unquote X Academy and uh, it's something else here. It's called, uh, I think it's the Scott Summers Institute. But uh, it's interesting the way that they describe this. It's the Summers Institute for Higher Learning. And essentially all young mutants go to the school and are there for 10 years. And so this follows, uh, this basically follows Glob, who, if you don't know, is this mutant that... I'm I'm relatively new to this mutant as well, but he's the giant, the guy that is covered in a giant pink glob with a skeleton inside. And everyone who does his art always makes him look super weird because most of the time his 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 jaws open, so it always looks like he's screaming. But uh, what what's interesting in this story is again they're all in this alternate reality, and no one, most people don't know how they got there. And for what we're seeing so far in these stories, it looks like. There's a select few people who kind of have their memories coming back. I think one of them from the first one was uh, Laura Kinney, X-23, and I think also maybe Apocalypse. But in this one, it's Glob. It's sort of Glob, but it's also some other people. And so Glob has essentially written this fan fiction book that people are making fun of him for. But the the they're calling it fan fiction, but it's essentially the story from the first 11 or the first 10 Uncanny X-Men issues where these characters actually fought. And they're all like, oh, yeah, like I love my part in the story. It's like, yeah, because that's actually what you did in real life, but you've forgotten it. And so apparently only Glob has remembered. 
But then what happens is it kind of follows them through their schooling till the inevitable end of the issue where we start seeing the cracks. And just like in Marvelous X-Men, we see the cracks of this whole universe forming where there's a house that's on fire and these kids are walking and they go to try to stop it and they find Blob, who is one of the... Uh, um, what is he? One of the one of Department X, which is I guess sort of the X Men, but he's stopping one of the young X Men who apparently tried to start this fire and was saying, "You guys are a fascist organization. You're lying to everybody." So you can clearly tell that this whole series is going to be about most of these series is just about the the fabric of what a perfect society is. And just like in all great Perfect Society movies, is going to have those certain resistors or those people who inevitably start the revolution. And so um, it's just cool to see it in an X-Men twist. So I'm now at the end of the issue. And so it's uh, the stories are Marvelous X-Men, Next Gen, and then The Amazing Nightcrawler, Extremists, Prisoner X, and Apocalypse and the Extract. So honestly... I mean, I'm going to be reading all of these just because, like I said, I want a full scope of this. I purposely did this. It's very rare these days that you can keep up with a event series like, uh, I mean, just as an example, War of the Re- War of the Realms and Absolute Carnage alone had at least 10 tie-in titles, and specifically War of the Realms, if you really wanted to dive into that series, you could spend easily $100 a month just on the comics, because you've got the main series, Thor's issues were a tie-in, Venom's issues were a tie-in, they created Strike Force teams, that, and that, and, and again, it was a brilliant story, War of the Realms, and it's, it's, uh, I think it's ongoing right now. It's currently going on in Marvel Unlimited. I'm going to have to double check. No, we're upcoming on it because Thor's issue is a preview of War of the Realms or a uh, the prelude to the War of the Realms. I think in a, in a couple weeks it's uh, or in a month it's going to come on here, a month or two, and I cannot wait to review that and share that with you guys because I didn't get to talk about it. I actually read those live. I bought those comics because I love Jason Aaron and that run. Um, so it'll be exciting to reread the, the reread those and review them for you guys. But um, uh, when they come out, it's impossible. Like, there's no way I'm going to spend a hundred dollars during the month. I, I, for War of the Realms, I had the War of the Realms, Thor, and Venom. That was it. I didn't read any other tie-ins. And then same with this whole X-Men thing. Like, I didn't even buy any of these X-Men issues. But now. I can read all six of these miniseries at the exact same time, not spend a dime, and I'm following them as they come out because half the problem is when you get the trade paperback for these, like you're going to get the trade paperback for um, next gen one through five. Well, that doesn't have the amazing Nightcrawler one through five in it, nor does it have the uncanny X-Men series that's running parallel to this. And oftentimes these things sort of dovetail into each other, specifically thinking of like War of the Realms all of those series take place, they, they're released weekly or monthly, and they're following along with the War of the Realms series that's coming out monthly as well. But then when you get them in trades, you're just reading them one issue, one issue after another, not in the same um, the same chronolo- chronology as that. So like with Jonathan Hickman, he had the new Avengers series and the Avengers series going side by side. So you would read Avengers number one and then new Avengers number one and then Avengers two, new Avengers two. But if you read them in the trade paperback form when they're not combined like that, you're missing half the story. So it's, it's such a benefit to have Marvel Unlimited because you can get 
all of that same feel that you would reading these from a comic book store right when they come out um, just six months later. So it's not that big a deal um, if you're patient. And like I said, I mean, my patience paid off on this one because um, these certainly wouldn't have been books that I would have bought, but they uh, I'm, I'm so happy to be reading them now. The next issue that's on here is Avengers No Road Home. And I was this was another one, another perfect example of patience paying off. I read the Avengers uh, No Surrender storyline. It was a 12-issue run that um, was on Marvel Unlimited maybe about a year ago, a little less than a year ago. And it's, so what they did was it was a weekly Avengers series, 12 issues, written by Al Ewing, Jim Zub, and Mark Wade. And the series basically did so well that they decided to do a second series. And they kind of go over that at the very end of this. And uh, it's sort of the same characters from the first series. And uh, that was a really good run. So if, you know, if you're looking for some great Avengers material to read, I would highly recommend that as a read. The Avengers No Surrender. And again, it's just 12 issues. It's, a, it's technically a one-and-done type story where you don't have to have read anything else. But it was a big overarching storyline. The Elders of the Universe are involved. There's a new character named Victor or uh, Vector. And, or no, I'm sorry, Voyager. And um, apparently this person was an Avenger all along and everyone just forgot who she was. Or really, is that really what happened? Because, uh, and I certainly won't give any spoilers if you haven't read it because that was one of the, the cooler twists because they were, the marketing for that series was all about who is the Voyager? She's always been a part of the Avengers. And it was like, interesting, what's going on there? But uh, it, it was a really great story. So they brought it back. And what's happening here, same writers, Mark Wade, Al Ewing, and Jim Zub, with pencils by Paco Medina, ink by Juan Velasco, and color art by Jesus Abyrtov, with letters by none other than VC's Corey Petit. And so this is another interesting one where you've got different sex sectors of uh, two Avengers at a time. So you've got like there's a, there's a storyline with Hercules and Rocket Raccoon. There's a storyline with Hawkeye and Scarlet Witch. There's one with uh, Vision and Spectrum, and then there's one, or, and also Blue Marvel is there as well with um, um, a scientist, and they kind of go over who all the characters are at the very beginning. So the people and players in this are Hercules, Rocket, Hawkeye, Scarlet Witch, Vision, Spectrum, Blue Marvel, um, Tony Ho, who is the scientist, Voyager, and the Hulk. And so, um, as well, the Hulk is so well written in these Avengers series. So if you've been enjoying Immortal Hulk, these Avengers series are a place to go if you want more Immortal Hulk. Because Al Ewing is writing him in these stories, so he's got the same Immortal Hulk type feel to it. And actually, the Avengers No Surrender series is when Hulk returned to comics because he had had been killed, um, allegedly, in Secret Empire by Hawkeye. And so he comes back, and that's the impetus for Immortal Hulk. So if you're wondering where, like, the quote-unquote first appearance of the Immortal Hulk is, it's in that Avengers No Surrender series. And so he's written so well in this one, too. It's so nice to see him interacting with uh, um, with Hawkeye. But what, what ends up happening is Voyager is uh, collecting all of the Avengers right now. There's a huge, this huge problem is going on. Everywhere in the world has gone black. So on Earth, on on Xandar, on every planet, everything is dark, like there's no daylight. And so they keep talking about the darkness. And so even at the very beginning of this series, and it's a it's a 48 pager. So this one is um, 
and I always call them that because of the ads, but it's it's 35 pages, so it's a it's a good long story, and um, they just keep saying something about you know something stirring in the dark, and that's I don't know how the no road home per- portion comes into it yet. Obviously, it's just the first issue, but I'm really excited to see where this is going. I love the art, and they're really making Hercules a central character to this story in a way that I don't think we've seen in quite some time. That's all I'll say in terms of spoilers. Check it out and let me know what you think because, uh, like I said, this is this is essentially a Marvel Unlimited event series in my as far as I'm concerned, where you're getting a weekly Avengers series now on Marvel Unlimited, um, issue by issue by issue, and um, it's going to be great because the reviews of it so far were really great. Apparently this series was just as good as No Surrender. And so we find out who the bad guy is going to be at the end of this issue, and um, I don't really know what to make of it at this point. All I know is that they've proven that they are truly bad because uh, the things that they do, and um, again, I won't spoil what it is, but it just heavily impacts Hercules. So um, I would highly recommend checking out that series, follow it along with me as I read it in real time because I have not read it until um, this. Next up is one I have read in real time, which is Captain Marvel, issue number two. As we spoke uh, over the weekend about uh, the uh, issue of Fearless, this is the creative team from that story as well. Writer Kelly Thompson, art by Carmen Carnero, color art by Tamara Bonvalin, and letters by Clayton Cowles. Who else? Uh, So this is the second issue of the new relaunched Captain Marvel series. And um, you can kind of do the math to see when this issue, these stories were coming out. I think they relaunched this right as uh, uh, Captain Marvel was coming in theaters. But uh, essentially what's happened in this story is uh, after taking a hiatus to care for her family, Carol returned to the front lines of the Avengers, rekindling an old romance with James Rhodes and even gaining a protege in former Avengers Academy student Hazmat, which for the record is awesome. I loved the Avengers Academy series. If you haven't read that series, I highly recommend reading that one as well. Uh, It's a really, really great series about young, um, kind of like young mutants, but they're basically the kids with powers. Hazmat was one of them. She's got toxic powers. And uh, there's also, it was run by Hank Pym. So there's a lot of uh, tie-ins to what was going on at that time. Once that series ended, it it dovetailed right into... um, Oh man, the one that he wrote right after it—it it was uh, not Avengers Academy, but they they mimicked it to be like Hunger Games, where um, oh Avengers Arena is what it was, and it was essentially twelve issues, I think twelve or maybe more of uh, all of those kids and some other ones as well from other series like the Runaways. Uh, they were on an island, and they like the last one alive gets to leave. And they aren't kidding about that. So it was a really intense story. And then from there, it went to Avengers Undercover, which was the same character. So it's like, if you love following a story by a really great writer, it was Dennis Hopless. And um, I think for the most part, it was Dennis Hopless. But that the whole through line, all three series, it all followed the same sort of themes. So it was like uh, kind of like Jonathan Hickman's stuff, where he, he had things that he wrote in Fantastic Four that he followed up with in his Avengers series. And uh, it kind of felt that way as well. So yeah, I would highly check that out because Hazmat is a great character. But uh, just when it seemed like life was finally going well, a long dormant villain named Nuclear Man showed up in New York and kidnapped Ripley Ryan, a young reporter who had tagged along with Carol for a day in the life of Captain Marvel's story. Determined to save her, Carol barreled after Nuclear Man straight through a strange barrier around Roosevelt Island. When Iron Man, Captain America, and Thor tried to follow, the barrier tossed them back. 
Now Carol's trapped on the other side, and from the looks of things, she's about to go through hell. And that's uh, sort of what they show in this issue. So she's she fights Nuclear Man, and um, I can tell you this much since I've read the entire the this portion of the arc of the first six issues. Uh, it's a good story, so I would I would jump on if you can. If you haven't read the first issue that came out last month, so it's on there. You're gonna get a two for one reading both of them, and I think you'll enjoy it. The art is great. Um, the story was really interesting. We really get to see. Um, a bunch of powerful female superheroes, and so obviously you'll find out, well, why did Iron Man, Captain America, and Hulk, why were they not able to get through the barrier? Ooh, maybe it's because they're men. And um, so it's a really interesting storyline of why that's the case, and um, it, it only gets crazier as it's going. So I would highly recommend jumping on this one too. Um, I mean, jump on all of these. They're free. Uh, next up, Dead Man Logan, issue number four. It feels like I just reviewed this story. But, um, hey, I don't mind. If it keeps coming out, that's fine with me, especially when you get some good Mysterio in here. So this is Sins of the Father Part 4 by Ed Brisson with art by Mike Henderson and color art by Nolan Woodward along with letters by uh, VCs Corey Petit. So um, as we had talked about in the last one, Mysterio tricked uh, Wolverine and Old Man Logan into thinking the Avengers were him and his, his cohorts, so he was essentially attacking them. They stopped him, figured it out, and at the same time, Mysterio figured out that the bad guys he was working with were actually planning on betraying him. So he leaves, and what we see in this issue is Mysterio meeting with Hawkeye, basically saying, hey... I uh, the like the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Let's figure this out and take him down together. Because obviously Mysterio at the time at the beginning of the series was in a um, in an asylum, a mental institute because he um, I think he just wanted to get away from it all. I'd have to reread the issue, but uh, he was like, I just kind of want to go back to that. Like I I wasn't planning on all this. I did I thought I'd be able to get away with it that they were on my side and they weren't. And so the I mean the whole this was a slow issue. Um, it's still nice to see a bunch of stuff about Mysterio, but essentially Wolverine's lamenting about how he basically tried to kill everybody again, and it's like, dude, man, we get it. But there's actually a really cool piece in this comic. If you check out nothing but that, it's um, Hawkeye and Mysterio are going to meet Wolverine, and he's like, hey, you know, the minute he sees you, he's going to try and kill you. Can you please try and, you know, pretend to be someone else? Like, use your illusions. And uh, he first uh, tries to be Professor Xavier, and Hawkeye's like, pretty sure Professor X is dead. How about the leader, uh, the X-Men team leader? And he's Cyclops, also dead, I think. And then he turns into Jean Grey as Marvel Girl, and Hawkeye's like, oh, God, no, 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 no. And then he turns into Cable, and he's like, he's dead, too. And Mysterio says, how does anyone keep track? Hawkeye says, I have no idea. And then he turns into some random person, I think, and who knows, maybe that's somebody, but I, I don't know who it is. And he goes, I don't even know who that is. But uh, it's good. I think it's a, a good issue. It's it's definitely setting up an interesting dynamic because I personally was not expecting Mysterio to team up with the X Men essentially, and he does in this issue. So we'll see where that takes him. Um, and that's a twelve issue uh, maxi series, so it's only twelve issues. And I think the whole point of the story is um, for Ed Brisson to walk Old Man Logan essentially out of the MCU. MCU out of the Marvel Universe now that uh, the regular Wolverine is back and at this point I mean you you kind of get it through the story too he's he's essentially dying and that's why it's called Dead Man Logan so um it's it's good it's a good one I'm really enjoying that next up Riri Williams Ironheart written by Eve Ewing 
Uh, art by Luciano Vecico. I always mix up my two C's versus my one C, and I think two is Ch, so it's Vecchio. With layouts by Geofo and color up by Matt Mia. With VCs Clayton Cowles ready and going as the letterer and on production. Look at that. He's stepping out of his comfort zone. Good for him. Um, and this one is, Riri's been splitting her time between Chicago and her lab at MIT, but news that her friend Deja has disappeared drew her back to the Windy City. When Riri began to investigate, she stumbled across a ring of young pickpockets with mysterious and surprisingly powerful backers. Could it have anything to do with what happened to Deja? I see what, you know, it's, it does a two years ago flashback of figuring out sort of who Deja is, and uh, but then most of this follows Riri in the present as she uh, is sort of ch- not cheating at school, but she's having her her AI system attend classes for her because she's so fer- focused on uh, um, other things that she feels are a little more important than school. And her friend Xavier is, uh, you know, trying to basically keep her grounded, but it's just not working. Her head's in the clouds because she's absolutely brilliant. She's like one of the smartest people on the planet. One of the first things she says on here is uh, that she was in MIT. For Oh, yeah, she, has, she says states of matter. One of the first concepts in physics I remember learning. I was probably three years old. Most people don't know glass is actually a liquid. And it's like, what? Like, you are so smart. That's crazy. And so that's been one of my favorite things with this series. I love seeing smart characters. And I love seeing smart characters who are rewarded for being smart in the sense that... Uh, you know, they're not written as, oh, you're smart. Well, that makes you a nerd or that makes you dumb, like street smart dumb. Riri Williams is a great example of someone who is super smart, but is also super cool. And uh, I love that about her in this series, which um, goes into some interesting territory when we find out who is possibly backing these people. And I'm not I'm not convinced yet of this storyline. And um, it's not a good or bad thing. It's just... The one thing I am appreciating is a while back during uh, during Infinity Wars, which, uh, and I'll say it anytime I mention it, was not a great series. The and That's the most current one that took place a couple years ago by Jerry Duggan. And honestly, no offense to Jerry, because at this point, I read his whole Guardians series and the prelude or whatever it was to Infinity Wars, um, and I really liked all all of that and for some reason he just did not stick the landing when it came to infinity wars and you know what that happens sometimes i certainly don't know behind the scenes of this but there was a tie-in issue that dealt with the champions and what happened was thanos basically got to riri and i think that was a sort of um the marvel version of when thanos love the thanos iron man relationship in the mcu where she meets him and she's been constantly haunted by thanos for quite some time she has flashbacks of him in the Champions series she has flashbacks of him in this iron heart series in the invincible iron man series she may have but that may have been beforehand but it's cool to see i like when they do flashbacks like that and they do it, but beyond that, I mean, this bad guy that she's fighting, I won't reveal who it is. It's it's a new person, a new player. And um, I don't know, it's going to be an interesting story for sure. I'm always down for new characters, and especially if it's Ironheart. I love her costume design, too. I didn't think I would, just because it's it's sort of different from Iron Man's. But it's cool. It's like this cool, fluid costume that um, has very different colors in Iron Man. It's almost more of a, a pink magenta, and that's one of my favorite colors. So it's it's nice to see that for sure. Um, so yeah, check that one out. Let me know what you think on that one too. 
Uh, then another series that came out, I'm not reading this one, but this is just the Marvel Superhero Adventures. This is for kids, um, for y- very young readers. I can cl- clearly tell by the title. Uh, the next one is actually Marvel's Annotated, and I'm not reviewing that one either because that is essentially what... Um, and again, <sighs> I think it's a cash grab, but Marvel, you know, they've always got a reason for it. Okay, it's actually the 25th anniversary of... Uh, the Marvel series, I believe, I think it was in 1995 that they did it, um, or what, whatever is 25 years from behind, 1994, and uh, it was by Alex Ross did the the art, and Kurt Busiek did the uh, the writing, and it was about the photographer who essentially photog- photographs the initial years of Marvel, and it's it's a, it's a very acclaimed series. It was uh, um, it's only four issues, but they're giant. They're sort of giant sized issues. They're very expensive. Um, but all of them are on Marvel Unlimited, so you can read the whole series now. And they even came out with a second series, which was uh, Marvel's Eye to the Camera, which is also pretty good as well. But then because of this whole being the 80th anniversary of Marvel and the 20th anniversary of this, that, and the other, they, uh, um, they're they re-releasing them as an annotated version. And so get this. So it's all four of them, which were $7.99 apiece, and they're about 100 pages. So you're getting your money's worth if you want if you didn't have the prior comics, but... It's like for you know for someone who's reading Marvel Unlimited, just read the Unlimited issue, save your money. That's uh, twenty four dollars that you could be saving. And then they even did an epilogue issue that came out this week. I didn't review it because I skimmed it. I had gotten it for the variant cover, but um, I don't know. It, it it's a good series. I'll say that much. It's a really good series. I'm just not going to reread it. Um, Mister and Mrs X issue number eight came out. I fell off of that about uh, four or five issues, and it just it wasn't interesting to me and and that doesn't make it a bad series so check it out if you want but um i'm just i'm not reading it uh the final issue of miss marvel came out this week which is miss marvel issue number 38 and uh, i thought i had read it but i didn't and so i read it and it was a great issue it was a perfect cap to this series that g willow wilson has been doing since the very beginning so this is her final issue of the series before saladin op saladin ahmed comes in uh, which i reviewed his prior issues i've been keeping up with them and i will be reviewing issue number six on wednesday um but this was a great story it's essentially a one and done story and it's sort of just about um just about you know miss marvel in general so g willow wilson is the writer and she does um all the stories there's a bunch of different people who do art or there's guest writers as well so she wrote it looks like one through pages one through nine and then the story itself, guest writers Devin Grayson did pages 10 through 12, Eve Ewing did 13 through 15, Jim Zub 16 through 18, and Saladin Ahmed did 19 through 21. I didn't know that. That's crazy. Oh, and that's even crazier. So, okay, art by Nico Leon was 1 through 9, and then uh, Takashi Miyazawa was uh, 10 through 12, Joey Vasquez 13 through 15, Kevin Lebranda 16 through 18, Miku Jung and Juan Velasco 19 through 21. So that Saladin Miku is, um, that's the current series. And then color art was by, and the bonus page by Ian, Ian Herring. And there's a secret little bonus um, one at the very end that's actually kind of cute. And then letters by VC's Joe Caramangana. Kara Maga, Magna. I'm going to start saying Kara Magna, man. You heard it here first. This is what, issue or uh, episode 12 of the podcast? Kara Mag- Magna. Man, I'm not having a good night pronouncing things. And the cover is by Sarah Pacelli and Justin Ponzor. Rest in peace. Okay, so like I said, it's just a one and done issue about Captain Marvel or Miss Marvel. Jeez, like I said, bad night. 
Um, but yeah, she's, um, she's basically going through a video game. So she gets warped into this video game where she's going through each level and each level, she's basically having to save one of her friends. And they're like the boss of the level. When she beats them, they turn into her friend. But, um, there's some really great, some really great lines in here and, and really shows just how well G. Willow Wilson has a grasp of the Captain Marvel character and why she's become so successful, or Miss Marvel herself. One day she will be Captain Marvel. But uh, she's just, the story's about her kind of being in a bad mood, and so she's just not happy about anything. And she busts into the uh, the Quickie Mart where um, all her friends are hanging out, and um, one of them is like, what's wrong with you? She says, just not in the mood today. I saw one too many gratitude posters, uh, posts on Facebook, and now I want to set things on fire. She says, I know this is terrible, and I have a million amazing people in my life, and I have food and shelter, and I'm as close to self-actualization as anybody gets, but I'm tired and bored, and the cognitive dissonance is hitting me super hard right now. And her friend says, a lot of people will kill to have your problems, Kay, and she says, a lot of people aren't me. And then, you know, they get taken into the game. She she goes through the game. And um, there's some sweet stuff at the end, too, because um, she realizes... It, and I always love seeing this when people see their their past selves and kind of have that sort of self-actualization. But um, it says, uh, is this... She's They're, like, watching themselves as kids. It says, is this us? Have we been these people our whole lives? Have we changed? Will we change? We're all asking ourselves the same question, and without saying a word, we arrive at the answer together. Those adorable, annoying little kids, we are still them, but we've also become something more. And then they beat the level. And um, it's great just because, it's just, she says, but if you hold on to what's important, you won't be, you won't have to beat it alone when you're uh, always having another level to beat. So just like I said, literally a one-and-done storyline, but kind of a nice send-off. My favorite thing, honestly, about this issue is the writing page after it. So both G. Willow Wilson and uh, the other creator, one of the creators of uh, um, an editor, uh, Santa Aminat, kind of give a, a little essay of what Miss Marvel means to them in this whole journey of all these issues. And it's been five years now since Miss Marvel came out, which is crazy. I remember I pre-ordered the first issue and um, I read it and I thought, wow, this is going to be, this is going to be really big. And uh, it was crazy because the, uh, at that time, the, uh, that was when I was really trying to get the uh, Scotty Young variant covers. And uh, for some reason, Miss Marvel issue number one did not have a Scotty Young variant cover. And I, for the life of me, I couldn't figure out why. I was like, all these other number one new release issues are getting them, but this this one isn't. You know, is that Scotty? Did he not want to do it? Or, I, you know, I don't know. I'm not certainly not going to put words in his mouth. But I just bought a main cover issue as well, which was fine because at the time, guys, Midtown Comics was doing this thing, and they really don't do it anymore, but it was like very select, brand new series for Marvel and DC you could get for 50% off. So I only paid $1.50 for that comic because it was a it was a, a $2.99 comic. And um, I loved it. I got it and loved it. And literally, um, 
God, I don't even know if it was months later. Obviously, it blew up. And so I sold the issue on eBay and I think I sold it for 20 bucks, which at the time I was like, awesome. You know, I paid $1.50 for it. I made a, a, an insane profit on it. If only I had kept it four years longer. Uh, man, I would have put it in a slab and put it in my uh, put it in my closet in my safe because uh, that comic, I can't tell you how valuable that comic is now. But that's a lesson to all you collectors out there. Um, yeah, certain comics are not going to age well. And so you should probably, if you want to sell them, sell them quick, but you've got to have an eye for, uh, those ones that are going to, you know, think about it this way. I'm, I'm thinking that cosmic ghost Rider, Marvel would be silly to not have a cosmic ghost Rider movie because, or, or series or something just because that character is so insane. So I would imagine that those issues are going to be worth a ton. While they're not worth that much right now, they may be worth quite a bit in the future. And this was uh, one no different. So the next one on here is Runaways, issue number 18. I stopped reading that series after issue 12. Um, nothing against the series. I just I stopped reading it. I lost interest. And then, um, oh, man, I forgot to actually even read this. So... Um, Man, do I read this live while we're uh, doing this? Maybe I'll just do a quick read-through of this. I'll read it twice, um, but I can't believe it. That's crazy. Savage Sword of Conan, issue number one, is on here on Marvel Unlimited. And I wonder why it's not even it's not even loading for me, which is crazy because... that's the, So that's the one comic on here that I didn't get to read. That's so weird. I thought I had saved all of them, but I guess not. Oh, weird. It disappeared. It is no longer available. Wow, guys, you are you are seeing a live reaction to me finding out that this morning when I saw it, that was another payoff of that series came out, and I um I'm not a huge fan of Conan, but I love that sort of story of the 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 huge guy that fights you know serpents and uh you know the by Crom and just that whole thing the fact that Jason Aaron was writing the the Conan series and then they were like oh there's a second one called Savage Sword of Conan and I was like oh I gotta get my hands on that but I'm like you know what I can wait I can wait for Marvel Unlimited and uh, here it is looking at me right in the face this morning I got really excited to read it and that's why I couldn't read it It wasn't available so they must have taken it down or something maybe there was an error in the comic and that that happens sometimes very rarely but um, Shatterstar issue number five is on here not reading that um spider gwen ghost spider issue number uh five and uh i believe that you could call it a mini series because that series is actually the number one the new number one and it's just called ghost spider still written by sean and mcguire who's doing it here comes out on wednesday so there's a spider gwen ghost spider series and then they relaunch it again so jump on whenever you want i'm gonna just probably jump on on this new number one when it comes um, to Marvel Unlimited. And then Spider-Man Deadpool, issue number 46. I went, read like five of those issues and I haven't kept up with it since. So there's, you know, I'm not jumping on now. It's too late. Sorry. Star Wars, Age of the Republic, Count Dooku. Like I said, you guys will remember, I said that the, the this story is hit, hit or miss. This one was a hit. And uh, I enjoyed this one. So it's called The Cost. And just like the other ones, like I said, they're one and done stories. So you don't necessarily have to read them. But if you like Count Dooku and if you want to see, this one shows a little bit of what he was doing uh, behind the scenes, which was super cool because I've said it before. I'm going to say it anytime I review these Star Wars books. I love the prequel series. I love it. And so it was so great to see Dooku again. Um, Jody Hauser writes this with art by Luke Ross, color art by uh, Java Tartalia, 
and then uh, Letters by VCs Travis Lanham. And um, so it's a story about uh, Count Dooku has to go to this planet, um, Sullust, to broker a deal, basically, with the people there. And he's doing it at the behest of uh, Emperor Palpatine. And so he's kind of going into his whole, oh, this is what happened to the fall of the Jedi, and uh, I'm doing this for them, for... um, not doing it for the Jedi. He's doing it for Emperor Palpatine, but he's, you know, he believes in himself. But what's interesting is he's talking with this guy who's kind of giving him a tour of the planet, and um, he meets a Jedi, this tiger Jedi. And uh, he's like, oh, man, you know, I remember you. Because if you remember, no one knows that he is a Sith. They just know that he left the Jedi Order. And so he kind of goes into, oh, yeah. And so you get to see what color Count Dooku's lightsaber was before he had the red lightsaber which is cool you get to see a quick little fight with him and yoda and uh he's like oh man i you know i'm not a master yet count dooku just a jedi knight but uh i don't know if you would even remember me he like watched him while he was training and so he's thinking to himself like interesting i uh he he basically talks with the emperor he's like hey you know what's this jedi doing here and the emperor's like i don't know why don't you figure it out and um so he he figures this out and that part of it was kind of a one and done, but just the whole duplicity of Count Dooku and the Emperor. Obviously, the Sith are evil, but it's just, it's always fun to, to read about them and watch them because, I mean, there's even a scene in here where he, he Count Dooku says, uh, he says, you uh, you are not, like, I want, maybe we can have him be one of our, uh, our guys. He says, and if there's a chance that he could become an ally to our cause, and as you all know, uh, a Sith master needs only one apprentice, unless you are suggesting that he replace you. Of course not, my master. And, uh, ooh, man, it's just, I don't know, I love that sort of stuff. So um, if you like it, even as a one-off story, it's cool. You get to see a fun Jedi fight where they're tag-teaming, but then, of course, he's like, Master, or Ma- Master Dooku, where did you get that lightsaber, the, the red lightsaber? And he says, I made it, of course, and then kills him. And it's like, oh, man, uh, just intense. It's a, a cool issue. And then uh, m- much like all of these Age of the Republic, Age of the Resistance sort of things, at the end of each of the stories, they have a sort of uh, essay by somebody about the character. So this one's called Count Dooku, a Sith for a more civilized age. And they kind of go into Christopher Lee's portrayal of the character and all that. So these are, these are this was a fun one. I, I, I uh, that's a good one to read. I'd say if you're bored, because uh, like I said, you can't beat uh, a good Dooku, a good Dooku story. Um, then you got star Wars, Han Solo, Imperial cadet issue number four. I'm not reading that story. And then Amazing Spider-Man, issue number 15. This is the issue before the Hunted storyline. And uh, I'm really toying with this because I actually have the whole Hunted storyline I bought a variant cover set for that I haven't read. I just redeemed all the digital copies. I wanted to read it digitally, and I haven't decided yet how I want to read it. So I could read all of them right now since I'm now caught up on Amazing Spider-Man. But I wouldn't get to read all of those hunted tie-in storylines that I'm sure will come to Marvel Unlimited as well. So I don't know if I'm going to wait yet or not. But this is essentially the final story before that. And it's uh, written by Chris Spencer with pencils by Chris Bocciolo, or Nick Spencer and Chris Bocciolo, with inks by uh, Livze, Vey, Voucher, Olazaba, and Townsend. And then um, colors by Chris Bocciolo and Jim Campbell and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. And uh, it's a story. The story's kind of still following the lizard's son. He's basically leaving to go to a party. 
But then the whole story is about Spider-Man trying to save Aunt May. If you remember from the last issue, um, the restaurant crumbled on top of her. And um, so he's busting in there to try and save her. Finds out that she already basically saved herself and a bunch of other people. But uh, once she gets everyone out and to safety, we find out that the hobo, the homeless man that uh, Aunt May was talking with in the last issue, had taken them dinner, was uh, Ned Leeds. And this is the Ned Leeds that was cloned from uh, a prior storyline when uh, Dan Slott was doing Spider-Man. It was during the... uh, Was that the Spider-Verse storyline? No, it was the... uh, Time runs out? No, man. Tancelot did so many stories. But basically, the the Jackal had cloned a bunch of people to come back into his life. It was the clone conspiracy. And uh, boy, was it a conspiracy. Jeez. But um, yeah, so then, but then he um, he dies in this issue. He's the one, you know, he ends up dying in the rubble. But uh, the, the big takeaway from this is clearly a setup issue. The big takeaway from this is that Craven has been collecting um, animal-themed characters like the Rhino, Vulture, Scorpion, to, and we find out now that he is in possession of the shield technology that was used on the Earth during Secret Empire. Also, um, a tip of the hat to Nick Spencer for continuously referencing his Secret Empire storyline because um, I, I love that storyline and I think it's awesome that he's still able to utilize it. Like the whole Black Ant and Taskmaster thing, the whole this whole thing. So essentially, that when they turned on the shield in Secret Empire, that uh, was the shield that went around the world that protected the world from outside sources and they essentially trapped a lot of hero of the powerful heroes outside of that that shield and so it was like captain marvel hyperion and they say it in here too it's like captain marvel hyperion uh thor nova none of them could bust through this shield so it's like dude you can you're gonna be fine with the shield and he's working with arcade but uh he's like you can um you know you can have it cover your tiny african country and he's like, oh, no, no, no. The shield's not going to be built around my kingdom. It's going to be built around theirs with a wide shot of uh, Central Park, which is obviously, as you guys all know, the uh, the setting for the Hunted storyline that's coming up. So very excited to start reading Hunted. Um, next up was The Punisher, issue number eight. Didn't read that, nor did I read Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, which is, which is funny and sort of sad because uh, she's one of my – I love the Unbeatable Squirrel Girl. And I just, I I had started reading this issues, I think I got to like issue 10 or something, and I couldn't stand the writing style, not necessarily within the comic, but they would do this thing. Squirrel Girl has this thing about her where she talks to you, so like Deadpool, but the way that they do it in this is you've got your comic story, and then in the lines at the bottom, like underneath the panels at the very bottom, are text. So it's like you have to read the comic and then boom, you get like more stuff in the text. And for me, honestly, it's like it's too much. I was like, I, I just want to read my comic story. That's why I like Deadpool a little better where it's like he's actually talking to you in the comic, not necessarily on the sidelines. But um, that doesn't make it a bad story. I've heard nothing but glowing reviews about Unbeatable Squirrel Girl. So if that's something for you, check it out and let me know. Convince me to start reading it. I mean, don't you don't have to convince me. I've got it on my library. I just have to get around to reading it. So next up is Thor, issue number 10. And like I said, it says the War of Realms is coming in two months. So we've got two more months until um, those come to Marvel Unlimited. Written by Jason Aaron, art by Mike Del Mundo, colors by Mike Del Mundo and Marco D'Alfonso, with letters by VCs Joe Sabino. And uh, this was a great issue. Like I said, I read this uh, live, so I've read this issue already six months ago. And this was... Jason Aaron, I'll say this now, I've said this before, and I will say it again. Jason Aaron knows how to write Thor. 
and I, I will stand up to anybody who uh, wants to fight me otherwise, but he is, in my opinion, the best writer of Thor that I have ever read, and that's including people like Walt Simonson and um, Stan Lee. That's fine. I'm okay to stand up to that because he's had more time with the character in a, a more intimate setting than most of these other people. Have any of the other, correct me please, but have any of the other creators had a story that is just about Thor and Odin by themselves dealing with their problems because Jason Aaron has in this issue this whole issue is about uh, Odin and Thor's relationship and it's really the art is just is impeccable Del Mundo is insane um his art is not for everybody and I, I give people that I can understand you if you don't like it but for me it's just killer it's it's uh it's right up there with Dowderman it's a very different thing than Dowderman or even Ribic, but it uh, those are the prior people who wrote uh, Thor with Aaron, but or drew Thor with Aaron. But uh, just as an example, I mean, he, essentially the story is about Thor and uh, Odin fighting, but he's just like there's this one panel, and you'll see it. It's on page 18, but uh, he say he's saying this or not 18. Here we go. Um, yeah, here we go. It's a uh, page 19. He says, I, and this is in him thinking to himself, I love my son. I love his fervor, his moxie, his hell-be-damned spirit. I love the lightning in his heart. I love the mighty Thor. I just wish to the gods I knew how to tell him. And each one of those panels. And now I will go back and read those panels. You're just a thing that dripped out of my loins. That's Odin saying that to Thor. Thor goes, God, he's getting hit by a hammer. I am nothing of you. And uh, Thor says, I am my own God, and you can go straight to hell. And Odin says, ah, and Thor smashes him in the face and says, here, let me show you the way. So this whole time, Thor and Odin are just trading blows, yelling at each other like father and son. And Odin's just saying this. This was once the hall where he was born, or so I was told. I wasn't there when the boy was born, or if I was, I was too damn drunk to remember. Have I said that before? I watched him grow up and become a better god than me and resented him for it. Even as a boy, he was more beloved, and I called him arrogant and tried to shame him. I cannot feel my face. <laughs> and that's as Thor is smashing him in the face. But it's like, how do you beat that? How do you beat that kind of writing? How do you the characterization of just Odin being both a, a good father and a terrible dad. Um, it just, it, and so at the very end of this series, he says, uh, who knew, who knew there would come a day when the God who created life itself would realize he'd lived too long. And he says, and I'm not sure why I've asked you here. And, uh, it's a, someone off screen says, Oh, I think I know. And uh, he says, believe me, I know rock bottom when I've seen it. I've been there. Tell me when it started. And Odin says, I invented mead. And he says, okay, this is going to take a while. And it's none other than Iron Man. Because uh, if you if you followed anything in terms of Iron Man and Odin, they're like kindred spirits. Both of them have a drinking problem. Uh, there's that whole thing during the Fear Itself storyline where Iron Man uh, created the destroyer armor for himself. And uh, it's, so it's just, God, this... Get on this Thor series, especially knowing that War of the Realms is coming. I cannot express to you enough. Get on it from the very beginning. Read Jason Aaron's Thor, God of Thunder, which is like 20, 25 issues. And then from there, it goes into the Thor storyline with Jane Foster. And then you get to get a peek at both Jane Foster and the Russell Dowderman art. And that's... Um, 
that's like a, a seven issue series that goes then into Mighty Thor, which is all the way up to like Mighty Thor 705. Uh, I think there's like 20 issues or so of that, which is like a prelude to the War of the Realms. You get to learn about the Mangog. Some of the best art I've ne- ever seen in my entire life is in that series, both in cover art and uh, inside it. And then once that's done, you can read this uh, this new Thor series, which is by Aaron and Del Mundo, and then that dovetails right into the War of Realms. And all of that is connected. So if you want some big, giant, cosmic Norse mythology storyline, uh, this is the series for you. And uh, again, that's that's probably one of my... I'll say this much. My top recommendation for the week, and I'm... Well, I'm not going to spoil it because we got one more to go through, which is Winter Soldier issue number three. And that's by Kyle Higgins with art by Rod Reese and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. And Rod Reese does the cover too. So this is a five-issue miniseries. I'm going to do a quick hat, a hat, tip of the hat to Rod Reese for both doing the cover art and inside art. And uh, this is a really cool story. If you're a fa- This is a cool story if you're a fan of The Winter Soldier. And uh, I jumped on it because I'd heard really good reviews of it while it was coming out. Again, five-issue series, super short run, issue number three, essentially. Bucky, he was brainwashed. Same sort of storyline from the MCU movie, so it's an easy jumping-on point. But um, he's been cleared of his brainwashing, and he essentially gets attacked by a young kid who he sees a lot of himself in. Basically, this kid was tasked with killing him. And um, it's like a brainwashed kid, basically. So he's like, oh, I'm going to save this kid. And so this series, or this issue, follows him essentially trying to rehabilitate this kid and takes him on some missions and fights uh, bad guys. We get to see the Spot, which is a great villain. Um, and there's some real the art. The art is just crazy too. It's it's really good art. But um, it's almost like Phil Noto's art and uh, sort of that that old timey 1950s feel. Um, but it's it's a good series. And there's a, there's an interesting reveal at the end. Again, this is not this is not an earth shattering series at least yet by any means. But um, just a good wholesome story. Um, especially when it's like about the Winter Soldier. So those are all the series on Marvel Unlimited. Obviously, there's some new old comics that came out, like uh, Marvel Superheroes, some Guardians of the Galaxy within Marvel Presents, along with some Marvel Premiere issues. There's a lot this week, um, which includes some Punisher and Doctor Strange. But uh, to me, I'm buzzing through these right now, and, and I guess based on my excitement, there's a lot of differences here. But I loved Thor's. But today's, um, the comic of the week is going to Avengers No Road Home. And that's due to the fact that the art is brilliant, the writing is brilliant, and uh, we all made a brilliant decision waiting for this to come to Marvel Unlimited because I'm getting a brand new series right now that I can start start reading. And I know that it's going to be epic and huge in terms of scope since uh, um, you can read Jason Aaron's adventure, Avengers, sure, but this is like a sort of like I was talking about on on, uh, Sunday with uh, DC's Black Label. This is sort of that same thing where it's like, it's a story that, yeah, it's still set within current Marvel continuity, but um, it's a a side story in a sense. So it's not, there's no tie-in issues. There's There's no extra reading like with this other stuff. It's just a one through 12 sort of thing. So that's my pick of the week. And uh, let me know what you guys think as well. So those are the stories from Marvel Unlimited this week, August 19th. And um, you've been listening to Comics and Cinema. I'm your host, Alex Klein, and I look forward to speaking with you guys on Wednesday when the new comics come out.